right? But it could just be basic things about ourselves that you realize what happens when I don't get as much sleep as I normally get. What happens when I'm a little bit more hungry than I normally am? What happens when I eat this food after not eating all day versus when I eat this food after not eating all day? We start to recognize things about ourselves that maybe we didn't realize before. And that level of introspection then also allows us to have some clarity. And that introspection is absolutely essential in the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala glorified and exalted as He. And it's also absolutely essential in our relationships with one another. And of course, as always, the people in the back, the people inside, if you can make room as much as possible, that's great. I know inside it's hard, but maybe the people outside can make more room. And that introspection then allows us to engage with other people in a way that's responsible, in a way that's just, in a way that's compassionate, in a way that's merciful, in a way that ourselves are not getting in the way. You know, we deal with a lot of young people, and someone asked me recently, they said, how does a person know if they're ready to get married? Right? And that's a pretty complicated question. That's <laughs> a pretty complicated question. But I told them, one of the ways you can know if you're ready to get married, go through your daily life, and take about 90% of the things that you want to do, and don't do them. <laughs> so say for example, you want to get up at 8.30, don't get up at 8.30, get up at 8. Say for example, you want to sit down on the couch and not do the dishes, get up and do the dishes. Say you want to go to sleep at 10 o'clock, stay awake until 10.30. Say, you don't want to take out the trash, take out the trash. Just everything that you want to do or don't want to do, do the opposite in the day, forcing yourself to do what needs to get done. If you can do that for about 90% of the things in the day, then you're probably ready to get married. This is what I told them. <laughs> right? But what is that all? That's like having a level of introspection that allows me to understand even what I'm feeling. Because not everything that we feel, contrary to American culture, not everything that we feel is accurate. Not everything that we feel is correct. Not everything that we feel is right. You know, sometimes we feel things, they're complete nonsense. And the ulama of Islam, they've said that there's multiple things that can, uh, multiple types of khawatir, multiple types of uh, voices that speak to the person internally. There's the angelic inspirations, and there's the ego-driven inspirations, and there's the shaitanic inspirations, and there's the rabbani inspirations, right? So the person then who is, who is deepening their level of introspection, the goal eventually, perhaps maybe we can start to understand which of these is which. So we say, okay, that thing that I was just inspired towards, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna ignore that one. And I'm gonna do what's right, and I'm gonna do what's better, or whatever it might be. So this month then allows us these opportunities, which again bring us back to the point of having a deeper level of clarity in our lives. A deeper level of clarity in our lives. And this is absolutely essential. What happens to the human being when the human being loses that? We don't have to look far. We have in our teachings that there are, four, there are sources of absolute certainty. The two main ones, the two main sources of absolute certainty are the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we also connect to in this blessed month, and the, the Book of the World around us that Allah has put rules in the creation that we can learn things from. And so obviously when we're disconnected from nature, this is one of the consequences, that there's things that intuitively people used to understand, that they don't understand as clearly anymore as they used to. 
And that's why getting out there and doing things in nature is extremely important. To just sit outside long enough doing nothing, for example, to feel the sun kind of beating down on your skin, it's important. For the Prophet ﷺ, for example, to establish the sunnah of going out when it's raining and letting the rain fall on your body. It's important to feel that. The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to walk from time to time barefoot, also very important. And we learn things like that. One time we were in the backyard of my parents' house, and I was, we were planting seeds with my son, you know. Just putting some seeds in the ground, trying to bring some life to the ground, you know. And we put the seeds in, and then a few hours later, my son comes, he's like, Dad, Baba, and he calls me Daddy Cat. It's the weirdest thing, like, we can't fix it. So he says, how, like, are they grown yet? <laughs> are, are, are the watermelons there? Are the, are the peas there yet? Because just a few hours have passed. I told him, but Jen, like, it's not, there's no, there's nothing there yet. Next day comes, are they, are they there yet? Next day comes, are they there yet? So what is the child learning through this experience? That was an experience that probably the vast majority of human beings knew before recent history. vast majority of human beings understood that. That you put a seed in the ground, you take care of it, you prepare the ground. If you don't prepare the ground, the seed's not going to grow. Then you have to take care of it in a certain way. The conditions have to be right. The time of the year has to be right. If you don't pay attention to all of these things, you're not going to get the harvest the way that you're going to get it. This is an extremely important taqibdini. It's an extremely important mental construct. Because look at everything it's teaching you. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts that example in the Qur'an over and over and over again. The idea of the earth, and the earth being dead, and the earth being brought to life, and the different things that are brought out of it. Because all of that is a rule in life. So the person who, for example, they want to be successful in their workplace, you don't just like apply for a job and all of a sudden you're successful. It doesn't work that way. Right? The soil has to be prepared, and the seeds have to be planted, and it has to be taken care of. And sometimes you still won't get what you want. I was talking to one sister, she, she has like a homestead in her, in her home. She was like, I, some things you just put them in, they don't come out. And all the conditions are right, they just don't come out. Isn't that an important lesson in public? <laughs> that sometimes it just doesn't come? You do everything. You take care of your children, you put them in school, you give them all the resources, you put them in the best universities, you connect them with the mashayikh, you give them the knowledge of Islam, you, you, they get out into the world and they lose their job. It happens. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes the plant doesn't grow. Right? So we learn things then through the, the physical world just as we learn things through the revelation. But what happens then when we reject these things is we end up in manifest confusion. Manifest confusion. And this is extremely important because that's the society and the culture that we live in. We live in a post-truth culture. So anyone who tries to make any truth claim, people are like, well, I don't know if that's true or not. I saw on the internet, or I saw on the uncle's WhatsApp group that's forwarding all kinds of nonsense all the time without any verification. Like, I saw this thing in there, so I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if it's actually that way. You know, who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong? Well, it's not me. Really, it's just that Allah said it's wrong, and so it's wrong. It's not because, you know, it's not my personal stake in it, right? But everyone gets like this now, because it's post-truth. There's no truth. So what happens when there's no truth? Look at it in Surah Qaf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Surah Qaf is a very interesting chapter of the Qur'an. The 50th chapter of the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ used to read Surah Qaf so much in the khutbah of Jummah and in the prayer of Jummah, 
that there was a woman in the community of the Prophet she said, I memorized the entirety of the surah from the Prophet's mouth in Jummah. That's how much he used to talk about it. Surah Qaf tells you really interesting things. So you look at the beginning of the surah and it deals with all of these ideas that I just said. Qaf, what Qur'an and Majid, Qaf, the letter, and the glorious Qur'an. The disbelievers, they're surprised that a messenger came from amongst them. Right? They don't want to listen to someone who's amongst them. Same thing, right? They're surprised about it. So when the message came, they said, هذا شيء عجيب. This is a strange thing. When we die and we're dust, we're going to come back to life? That's a strange thing. That's a really, you know, it's, it's a very unlikely event. That's what they're saying. That Allah says, that one thing that I love about the Qur'an, and I think that, you know, we always have to read the Qur'an in a language that we can understand. I think one of the biggest problems of the, the, the psychology and the mindset of the Muslims is we don't spend enough time actually thinking about the Qur'an and adjusting ourselves to it. The Qur'an gives you very, Allah says, very straight. So they're like, that's a very unlikely thing. Allah says, Like this is about as straight of a response as you can get. Allah says, we know what the earth takes from them. And everything is in accord with us. Meaning, when they get buried in the earth, every single animal that eats from the body, the decomposition that happens, the way that the body goes into the ground, all of the, Allah says, we know everything that's taken from their body, and everything is recorded with us. <laughs> It's very strict. But then here's the point. What happens then when they reject the revelation that comes to them? Very interesting statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. says, rather, when the, when the truth came to them, they rejected it. So what is their situation? Their situation is one of utter confusion. Because they rejected the truth. You reject the truth, everything falls away. There's no ground to stand on. This like full-on embrace of skepticism where nothing's true. What are you standing on in the end? And what does that do not only to the society of the people, what does that do to the psychology of the people? I don't know if it was here, I think it was somewhere else. But some of you have, may have seen this new billboard campaign. I think it's new, from the Children's Hospital of Orange County. It's really disturbing me. I've seen it in two different places now. They have a picture, one of them is on the Children's Hospital I saw recently, we were visiting someone who lives next to it. Another one is on the 55 South, uh, around like, between the 5 and 405, I think. It's a big billboard, has a picture of a child. And it says, you call their depression a phase, we call it an epidemic. You call their depression a phase, we call it an epidemic. So what are they saying? The Children's Hospital of Orange County is saying depression amongst children is an epidemic. It's out of control. Why? Now, I'm not saying that like, you know, there's medical reasons for these things. If someone is depressed, they should seek professional help. All of those things are absolutely true. But what is one of the things that leads to that? This is all mixed up. The head is all mixed up. There's no truth. There's nothing to stand on. So now, like, things happen. Think for example, something happens to somebody and they get shooken up by it because they don't believe in anything. Even the Muslims, by the way, I mean, we can say that we believe in things, but to have the opinion is something else. 
And that yaqeen is something, that certainty is something you see amongst usually the older people or the older generations. There's zero doubt. You know, there's actually a story, even from the old times, there's a story of Imam al-Razi that he was passing through a town and his, his entourage is with him, you know, all the students and stuff like that are following him. And the old woman comes and she says, who's this? To one of the students. She said, who's this person that all of you guys are following? So the student said, this is the great Imam al-Razi. He has, I think it was like 40 or 70 proofs for the existence of God. Let's just say 40. Because he has 40 proofs for the existence of God. And she just looked at the student and she said, if he didn't have 40 doubts, he wouldn't need 40 proofs. <laughs> if he didn't have 40 doubts, he wouldn't need 40 proofs. They told the Imam al-Razi about it afterwards. He said, I die on the, old, on the Iman of that old woman. That's the Iman. That's absolute certainty. It doesn't need... So someone who has absolute certainty, things happen to them in life, they're like, Qadr Allah Masha'afah. You know, one of the early biographies of the Muslims who were brought here as slaves in the United States from Africa. One of them, he writes, he tells the story, he says, I was from here, and this is my situation, and so on, and then I was brought as a slave. And then he says, He's writing about being taken as a slave and forcibly removed from Africa and brought to the brought to the Americas and being treated the way he was treated. So, and then he writes at the end, nothing afflicts us except that Allah has written it for us. He is the best of protectors and he is the best of those who give aid. That's certainty. So you have people then who could survive with their iman intact through all kinds of difficult hardships. And then you have people who can't survive with their iman intact because like I don't know, their AC stopped working for four hours and there's no one to come on time. Or the water stopped for a few hours or something like that. Right? So this certainty then becomes extremely important and the clarity becomes extremely important because what happens when we reject the truth? Everything falls apart. Right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says afterwards. So now we have they rejected the truth when it came to them. Related to the revelation. Then Allah comes afterwards Allah says, but didn't they look at the sky above them? How we built it and how we beautified it and how it has no, it's absolutely perfect. There's no gaps in it, there's no deficiencies. The sky is completely perfect. And the earth, we laid it out for them. And we placed it in mountains. And we brought forth all kinds of beautiful vegetation for them from, from that earth. But this is a means by which a, a servant who is turning back to their Lord will reflect. They will gain insight and they will gain introspection. Right? That's what it's there for. And then he continues, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues for more verses. But you see how on both sides of the doubt and the confusion, there's the book of revelation, and then there's the book of the creation, and the world around us. Because those are the foundations that we sit upon. If we don't have this, then we lose all clarity. If we lose all clarity, we end up confused. One of the things that Imam al-Tahawi says, rahimahullah, in his aqidah, about people who refuse to accept and submit to the idea of Qadr. Because Qadr is a very tricky idea, this idea of divine decree. And uh, 
he says that basically you can't understand this unless you submit to it. And if you submit to it, then your heart can understand it. This is one of the things in our worldview is that we don't understand things only with our mind, but we understand things with the combination of our mind and our heart. That these two work together. And that's why someone who has a brilliant mind, but their heart is corrupted, they see things wrong all the time. Fir'aun said to his people, Fir'aun told his people, I'm not guiding you to anything except the path of righteousness. He thought he was doing the right thing. Right? <laughs> he thought he was right. Because the heart is not working properly, even though the mind is working properly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, rather it is not their eyes that are blinded, but it's the hearts that are in the chest that are blinded. So they can't see. You know, so, so this combination then of the mind and the heart, when they submit to the qadr, then the heart is able to understand the idea of the divine decree. But it can't happen without submitting. And then Imam al-Tahawi says, the people who don't do so, they're mudaddabin. They're always floundering from one side to the next. They're between submission and rejection. Between certainty and doubt. They're always lost. Because the foundation isn't there of the submission. So when the Ramadan is here, we have an opportunity. And yet, you know, the night of the Khatam is coming up on Sunday here. Uh, Ramadan doesn't end with the night of the Khatam. Right? And we have actually still a whole week of Ramadan left. Really, almost a week of Ramadan left. We have opportunity to really engage this idea of trying to develop some sort of clarity in our lives and to ask Allah to give it to us. And it is this dua, Allahumma arinam haqqa haqqa muzukun attiba'i wa arinam batila batila muzukun attiba'i That, oh Allah, show us truth as truth and allow us to follow it. And show us falsehood as falsehood and keep us away from it. Right? These are the kinds of du'as that we want to make so that we can start to see things as they are. Yeah. So that our on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now when all of the doubts and the things that were clouding your perception are gone, now your, your, your vision is like iron. Your vision is like iron, straight. I know exactly what I'm about, I know exactly what I'm doing, I know the absolute truth. And this is something that we can attain in this life by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by the tawfiq that he can grant us. Afunu qawmi hadha wa astaghfirullah hani wa lakum fa astaghfiru anuhum ghafuru ma'am. Thank you. 
their patience and perseverance to their families, inshallah. So talking about clarity and uh, some of the potential consequences of a lack thereof. And we mentioned uh, this issue, this epidemic of depression and epidemics around mental illness in general in American society. Uh, it's, it's much greater than it was. Uh, for anyone who's kind of following these things or, or looks at the research, the kinds of mental illnesses that are being seen and the, and the scale at which they're being seen is greater than it was, say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so it's important for us as a community to recognize that there is an interplay here between the mind and the soul. There is an interplay between spiritual care and mental health uh, professionals. And so if someone in the community is dealing with issues like depression, issues like schizophrenia, uh, issues like bipolar disorder, anxiety, uh, grieving, or some sort of great tragedy or great loss, it's very important to seek professional help. And of course, to combine that with some sort of spiritual care as well. Uh, maybe a particular individual is able to do both, maybe you need to combine between different places. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Prophet وسلم, he's taught us that there is a cure to every illness. And that part of our journey in trying to become more whole in our relationship with Allah is that we recognize those things. Uh, probably many people have seen the news today uh, and, and about Anthony Bourdain having died from suicide. Probably people saw earlier in the week that there was a, a very famous designer who also died from suicide. And suicide is not something that is foreign to our community. And it's very important that we understand this. That we have people amongst us who have suicidal ideation, people who have considered suicide, people who have actually attempted suicide. And it's very important that we support people in seeking help with that. And that we don't spread rumors about them if we hear such things, that we don't talk about them, that we respect the dignity of people. Part of the responsibility of the believers is that we're supposed to build each other up, not break each other down. So we have to think about when we start talking about something, am I breaking the people down or am I building them up? I'm not at liberty to share the actual statistic, but suffice it to say that in Orange County alone, we have had a good number of suicides in the Muslim community every single year for the last five or six years. That's when I started to know of the statistics, or the estimations, I should say. So these things are real in our community. And rather than to shy away from them, it's better that we address them. And it's better that we seek them and approach them. And that we begin to help one another to heal in whatever it is that we're going through. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of all things. You know, this is one of the things that's really important. That we look at sometimes situations and they seem like they're helpless. They seem like they're hopeless. They seem like there's nothing that can be done. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is qadirun ala kulishin. He is capable of all things. Something that seems like it's totally impossible. The right steps can be taken and the tawfiq can be sought and it can change. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring healing to the hearts of those who are suffering. We ask Him to accept from us our deeds in this blessed month. Allah, we ask You to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. We ask You to accept from us our deeds. Ya Allah, accept from us our prayer and our fasting and our recitation of the Qur'an and our acts of charity and kindness and benevolence. We ask you, Ya Allah, to reward us in these days of hunger and thirst with food and drink in the hereafter. 
And we ask you, Ya Allah, to reward us in these nights of, of fatigue and tiredness with never-ending energy and no fatigue in the hereafter, Ya Rabbi Alameen. We ask you, Ya Allah, to bring us together in the hereafter with the beautiful souls of our brothers and sisters that we share in these communities in these beautiful days, Ya Allah. We ask you to give food to those who are hungry, to give shelter to those who are shelterless, to give victory to those who are oppressed, to give aid to those who are suffering, to give healing to those who are in pain, Ya Rabbi Alameen. We ask you, Ya Allah, to give us knowledge that benefits us and to benefit us from that which you have taught us. Ya Allah, allow us to exit from this month forgiven of all of our sins and starting on a new foot and traveling towards you in a new way and with new energy and with new commitment and dedication, Ya Allah. We ask you, Ya Allah, to give us the good of this life and the next and to forgive us in all of our affairs. افتح علينا يا فتاح يا عليم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعاملا صالحا اللهم تقبل منا صيامنا وقيامنا وصدقاتنا وقراءتنا للقران الكريم يا رب العالمين اللهم انا نسالك ونتوجه اليك يا رب العالمين ونتوب اليك حتى تتوب الينا يا الله تب الينا يا الله وكن معنا يا رب العالمين اللهم ما لنا سواك يا الله ما لنا سواك ما لنا سواك فإلينا يا رب العالمين وكن معنا يا رب العالمين خذ بأيدينا إلى رضاك خذ بأيدينا إلى رضاك فتقبل منا هذا الشهر الكريم وآتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا هذا بالنار وصلنا وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليم كثيرا وأقيم الصلاة